evidence and answers. What was it like growing up as a Mormon woman? Many do not know that in Mormonism, men hold the keys to the celestial kingdom. Therefore, there's a lot of pressure on women as they seek to fulfill their Mormon mission in this life. What are the pressures Mormon women face as they seek to live lives worthy of attaining godhood? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat will be interviewing former Mormon Lisa Brockman. She will share her story of how she came out of Mormonism and to faith in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we will conclude this interview entitled, Out of Zion, A Journey Out of Mormonism. Yes, and so you're beginning to see big differences between Mormonism and biblical teaching. Well, yes. What was it then that finally got you to say, and how, mm-hmm. you know, and, and tell us how long, you know, I'm sure it took a while, but what was it that finally yeah. allowed you to say, you know what, this church cannot be true and the Bible true at the same time. I've got to choose between one of these two. First, I needed to read Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I needed to read Apologetics for the Bible because the Bible was clearly teaching significant differences in major doctrines, but the Bible was not not infallible, in my opinion. And so that's where I began. And as I wrestled through those books and saw how much evidence there is for the Bible and all the manuscripts and historical sites, things that the Book of Mormon, as I researched it, didn't possess. After about five months of my search, I began to accept that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. And I remember that being a breaking point for me, because once that happened, then it was like peeling an onion. Like one doctrine at a time, I could begin to accept. So then when I embraced the Bible as the Word of God, I also could embrace that my nature is sinful and not divine. And I need a Savior, not just to help me overcome the grave, but to give me eternal life. I cannot make, there's nothing I can do to make myself worthy of eternal life with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So it was one doctrine at a time over the next four months, I would say. And then I read a book. So I'm nine months in and I had a book called Beyond Mormonism. And as I journeyed one day with that author, his name's Jim Spencer, I just felt like I was standing in solidarity with somebody who had walked the path that I'd walked in so many ways. And back in the 80s, before there was an internet, people were not leaving the church. And so it was a very lonely journey. I didn't know anybody else who was questioning like I was, and I certainly wouldn't have offered it to anybody. So I just had my boyfriend, Gary, and myself, and all my books. And I was still living at home because my parents lived blocks from the university. So that was attention in me. I just had all sorts of books under my mattress. And I read that book, Beyond Mormonism, in one day. And at the end of that, I was just on my face telling God, I know I need Jesus. The Trinity was so bizarre to me. I still, as I wrestled through that, it was always a wrestle because people were describing the Trinity to me as an egg, like the white, the yolk, the shell. That's God three in one. And I was like, you're God's like an egg? I just had such really poor 
somewhat heretical interpretations of the Trinity. So I just was, that was a stumbling block for me. But I had accepted my nature. I had accepted the biblical plan of salvation and other major doctrines. And so I'm on my bed face down. I was like, God, help me understand you. I know I need a Savior, but I just don't get you. And then God just pulled back like a curtain and gave me a vision. And Jesus was on the throne, and he was just surrounded by a sea of people worshiping holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come and over and over and i'd never read revelation 4 when i did later i was just blown away and so as i i was it's as if i was observing this but i was also in it in the vision and i began to weep and I was like, okay, I don't grasp you, but I think that's the point. You're that holy, and at the same time, your holiness draws you near to me. And yes, Jesus, come into my heart. And he walked me into his kingdom that day. And tell us what it was like for you to receive the Jesus of the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. I, I felt like Jacob, where I truly wrestled with God for nine long months. And I came out with a limp, but I came out with a heart so aflame for God. I had never known a God who is holy, perfect, always has been, always will be God. It was, there was a reverence and an awe that I'd never possessed for God. And that filled me. And then the other thing that the other aspect of God that was so transforming is that my my lifestyle did not change right away. I had lots of addictions that had formed in my body where I'd sought life outside of Jesus and comfort and security outside of Jesus and alcohol and my relationship with Gary were two of them. And so it's not like I woke up and I was like, done. My life is now going to be clean. It took about 14 months for God to wean me off of those, just bring deep dissatisfaction for the things I was seeking life from outside of Jesus. And what was so different than my experience with the Mormon God is that I would go out and party, but I didn't want to anymore. But it's like I couldn't resist it. I was definitely, I would say, enslaved to these passions. But Jesus was always there with me. I was very aware. He hasn't left me. He's made me worthy. And even in this state of darkness and brokenness, he's found me worthy because I'm covered in his righteousness. And the next morning, he would be with me. And there were just interactions where I would want to put back on my cloak of shame, and he would remind me that's been removed. And that was a very transforming 14 months. Yes, you know, a lot of people who come out of the kingdom of the cults, whether it's Mormonism or Jehovah Witness or any other group, they sense a big relief, like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders because oh, yeah. uh, they are saved by grace through faith on, based on the finished work of Christ, not the performance that we have to do, but yes. that Christ has already done. And so... I hear you describing that sense of relief as well, like a tremendous burden was lifted off your shoulders. Oh, it was. It was night and day. It now, was night and day, uh, yes. Now, Lisa, you know, leaving 
the Mormon church is a very difficult decision for anyone because entire family and your social structure, your friendships, everything you grew up with, you know, is in that church. Uh, tell us, mm -hmm. how, you know, eventually you had to tell your family. Tell us about that experience. Well, I was terrified. On my 21st birthday, which was December 20th of my junior year, I really surrendered all of these addictions to the Lord, and I just asked Him to clean my heart, to take away these addictions, to release me. And, oh, I fell asleep, and I awoke an absolutely released person. It's like He'd done a heart transplant and a brain transplant overnight. And I just wanted to be with these people who worship this God. And I'd gone to crew a couple times, and my boyfriend had taken me there, and Gary and I had broken up. And so I went to a crew Christmas conference six days later in Oregon, and there I just knew I want to do this the rest of my life. I want to tell people about this God the rest of my life. And I had not told my family I was a Christian yet, so I came home. And I just knew I have to do this. And I made an appointment with my parents and took them to a little tiny Japanese restaurant to do anger management. And it just, I was terrified. And I just thought, I need to be in a public place where their response is, where I can manage their response somewhat. And so all I, like, I knew Mormonism backwards and forwards, and I knew the biblical plan of salvation. I was not an expert on all things biblical at that point at all, neither am I now, but really remedial then. So I remember partially through our lunch, I just looked at my parents. I said, well, Mom and Dad, I need to share something with you. I've placed my trust in Jesus Christ alone for my eternal life. And that's all it took for my mom to scream, you've left us, you've left the family. And she began to weep. And then my dad started talking doctrine with me and scripture. And it was extremely traumatic for all of us because my deepest joy was their deepest loss. And my mom just wept and wept and wept. And then that began a several-year journey where... I cried a lot. It was just tumultuous. My mom became extremely depressed. And every interaction, I spent a lot of time with family. Like, I would go out with family every Saturday night. We'd have Sunday dinners together. And I just was walking on eggshells. I never knew when that lid was going to come off. And so it was a very tumultuous two years following Yes, and, you know, for many of us who come from non-Christian homes, uh, I came from a Buddhist home and others too, mm. when parents learn that uh, your child is having is going to have different priorities, going to be living for Jesus Christ, things are going to be different. Yeah, that's very, very difficult. Well, how about your brothers and sisters? How did they take the news? That was something where I think they saw how intense it is with mom and dad, and so they kind of left it alone. And I think they were all, I had one older brother who'd served a Mormon mission, and so he knew his stuff backwards and forwards, his Mormonism. But then I had a, I was second oldest, and so I had a sister two years younger than me, and then I had little siblings who were 12 and 14 years younger. And so they were just witnesses to the chaos. And I had a little bit of conversation with my sister who's two years younger. We were really close, but... Other than that, I didn't talk about it with my siblings much. There was just so much intensity with my parents. 
Yes, and that's one of the things. It may take, when we train people, we tell them, you know, it takes years for people to leave an organization like this because, you know, their family, their social structure, their friendships are all tied within the organization. So it's a huge, huge decision. Oh, uh, it's so hard. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, especially when you're an adult and you have children and you've had the temple marriage. It's just, I have a friend now who is in that place and she knows the biblical Jesus is who she wants to follow. But she, it's a long journey out. In fact, I was reading recently in a book and this woman equated leaving these types of religions where it encompasses the entire culture to brain trauma. Yes. And I think that's accurate. Yes, I would agree. Well, Lisa, you know, you're coming from someone who was on the inside. Tell us, as someone who's longtime Mormon, what are some ways then that we Christians can share the true gospel and the true Jesus with our Mormon friends and, and family members who are out there? Well, I would say the first the first thing you'd want to do is just love them with such grace and abundant love, unconditional love. And I think that embodies the gospel to them, that embodies Jesus. So always have that be your first foot forward. And then be very curious about their personal testimony because that is the plumb line for truth. And so I'll ask the missionaries, the first thing missionaries walk through my door I'll ask them to please share their testimony. I'd love to hear it. And then I get to share my testimony. And then it comes to a place where we've both shared testimony, and we know what we know to be to be true. And so then I'll share with them, well, we both have this testimony. There must be some other way to determine truth than personal testimony. Otherwise, we're both here with differing beliefs and devout testimony about what we believe is true so let's explore the plans of salvation and i just think in my book i created charts of the mormon and the biblical plans of salvation it's really critical to understand the mormon plan of salvation and the biblical plan of salvation i think there's a lot of christians who can't even articulate the biblical plan of salvation and i'm always thinking big picture so as i'm doing life with a mormon i'm not always trying to make the conversation or turn it toward a doctrinal conversation, so much of life with Mormons is loving them and praying for them and praying for God to provide conversation. And just, but then I'm, I'm ready to enter in, and I'm going to be touching down at the nature of God, the nature of man, the plan of salvation, where did you come from? Where are you going? How do you believe you get there? And so I just keep it at the plan of salvation because you want to extend hope. Because if you decimate a Mormon's belief system with the historicity, the lack of authenticity of Joseph Smith as a prophet, all those things need to come out. But if that's your first foot forward, then what you're leading them into is atheism because they've always been taught the church is true and every other denomination and belief system is false. And in fact, the creeds of all the Protestant faiths are an abomination to the Lord. And so it leaves them completely bereft of faith. And that's what Gary did for me. He kept pushing me, but he held out Jesus 
the biblical Jesus and all this hope. And so you always want to keep the biblical Jesus. Encourage them to read the words of Jesus in the Bible. Well, that's interesting. You start uh, with the plan of salvation. I tend to try to end with the plan of salvation. That's a quite an interesting contrast here. Ah, where do you yeah. start? Uh, just like you did, uh, the Mormon doctrine of God and show how their belief in God is different from what the Bible teaches, you know, mm -hmm. and then the nature of man, and then I'll end with the gospel plan of salvation. But I think one of the things that you mentioned that we need to make clear, you may not get through all of this in, right. in your first meeting with a Mormon, and that's fine. You know, just drop seeds of truth there and show where there are some significant differences. Don't be discouraged if you don't go through the whole thing. No, not at all. Like with the missionaries, it's very possible to just draw me your plan of salvation, draw out the biblical plan of salvation, talk through it. And at the end of that, and I talk about this in my book too, which in more detail, but at the end of that, I'll just say, what do you have to offer me that I don't enjoy? I am part of the bride of Christ. I have eternal life now. I'm living in God's kingdom now. And they're speechless because there's nothing they can, Mormonism can offer me that I don't enjoy. And at the same time, they have to say, ah, this is not the biblical plan of salvation. So with missionaries, I get to go through the whole thing. But yeah, if I'm in relationship with someone long-term, no. I think what I always pray is, God, let me join you in the conversation you're already having with this person I love. And that's not like there's going to be a doctrinal conversation every encounter. You just get to show up and love them and be curious about them and then there are opportunities that happen. Yes, you know, I think one of the uh, frustrating things with many people as they try to share with Mormons is that Mormons will be very agreeable with what you're saying. You know, if you say, yeah. well, we believe in salvation by faith through grace, you know, through Jesus Christ, and they'll say, yeah, same thing. You know, we right. believe there's one God, creator of heaven and earth, and they'll look and say, yeah, same thing. We believe in the same thing. <laughs> How do you get past that? Uh, I have a certain way of doing it, but how do you get past them? And, and sometimes when you say, well, don't you believe God was once a man who through his good life became a God? And they'll say, no, we, we don't believe that. Uh, how do you get through that? That may be the most trickiest part in sharing with a Mormon. Mm, it is so tricky. I always equate it to nailing jello to a tree. Right. It can be very frustrating. Well, it's super important to understand their terminology and the definition of terms. And so when I'm talking about salvation, I define it, overcoming the grave. Or biblical salvation is the equivalent of eternal life in the Father and the Son's presence, experiencing, worshiping eternally. So you always have to define that. For them, it's the celestial kingdom. They have to admit now. Now, sometimes they're like where I was, where they're just not that brushed up on their theology. And so part of it is being patient with that and saying, well, let's look at, let's look at some Mormon scriptures. Let's look at some, I mean, it's good to know some places to go, but you don't want to be the expert on their faith. You want to give them the opportunity to let it come from them. But there's a lot that aren't that really well-versed in their faith system. If, so if they're denying things, I would be prepared to show me where your scriptures say that. You know, let them unfold it. 
and let's look at that and then show them, get into the Bible with them so that they can see the contrast. And if they're de denying it arrogantly, that's a whole other story. I find the male missionaries can be really arrogant sometimes. And so then I'll just tell them, show me where it says that in your scriptures. And then I can be prepared to show them in their scriptures where it says something different. I think if you're armed with a few good sources, it's really helpful. But I like to use their sources because they're just going to say anything that's not their source is anti-Mormon. Right. And it has no, yeah, no validity. Yeah, I have. For those of you that would like some of those Mormon sources, you can go to evidenceandanswers.org and, and download some of those great sources. Mm. But Lisa, you know, as we bring this to an end, you've talked about a lot of things. You've you got a great book here, Out of Zion, uh, that we are featuring here at Evidence and Answers and highly recommend. But what are some other sources, websites or other sources that people can go to to get more of this information that you're talking about? Well, the CES letter is on the Internet. It's about an 80-page document or so that you can download. And it was written by a man who was a Mormon, a devout Mormon. He was a return missionary. He really believed the church was true. But he had a lot of really good legitimate questions about the history of the church, the character of Joseph Smith, some of the practices. And so he wrote this letter with all of these questions to the church education system. And I believe it was his uncle or his grandfather, somebody close to him, worked for the church education system. And he, he said, just send your questions in. Well, the church education system never replied to him. And so he wrote up, did all the research, and he posted this on the Internet not knowing this was going to be a viral document. And so it's called the CES letter. And before the internet, when I did my search, I needed to find ways to gather this information all individually. And so it's like an encyclopedia. If you say CES letter to a Mormon, you lose your credibility right away. So just for your information, that's good. But if you go to LDS.org, which is now the Church of Jesus Christ.org, or I like to explore their website, and if you look for Gospel Doctrine Essays, they're very deep, but I would go to those essays because that's what is causing the church to implode right now. All their, They've been encouraging the brethren, which is the leadership of the church, the prophet, and their apostles, are encouraging all of the people, their members, to become acquainted with these, and it's about the history of Joseph Smith, his practice of polyandry, the character of Joseph Smith. It's documents that the church hid for years and years and years. Wow. And then there's exposure. And so look, search under LDS, or the Gospel Doctrine Essays, and you'll become acquainted with people who are questioning Mormonism. It's because of these essays. And the church isn't, they're not able to create responses that are valid for any of these there's no defense so i think that's a really helpful source that's a mormon source but i just love exploring the mormon church's website because everything's on there you and you will learn so much and then you're using your own so their sources a lot of my a good deal of my quotes came from a book called understanding your divine nature and I think that's a really good book to educate you on the whole plan of salvation. And it's not very long, but it's, pa it's packed with information. 
Oh, fantastic. What was that last one again? Understanding your divine nature. Understanding your divine nature, yes. You've been listening to our interview with Lisa Brockman, who's come out with a fantastic book by Harvest House Publishers, Out of Zion, Meeting Jesus in the Shadow of the Mormon Temple. She's been sharing her story and her journey with us. So, Lisa, thank you for being with us here on well, Evidence and Answers and sharing me. your story. It was my pleasure. Thank you. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website at evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there on the homepage. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from A to Z, from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.